Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. The U.S. U-20s fell at the U-20 World Cup in Argentina, losing 2-0 to Uruguay. The sad responsibility of recapping this game falls to me and Matt Hartman. How are you doing, Matt? I'm right. Always a little melancholy with when a U-20 cycle ends, but... um, It always ends in the quarterfinals. <laughs> the same way, yeah. Groundhog Day. What were you going to say? It's it's kind of a weird thing, but like the, for me, like with these with U-20 cycles in particular, I would you think about these players for so long that by the end of these cycles, I'm always like, all right, let's just get on with it. Like, I just want to start thinking about the next one. Already, it, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a gift that keeps giving that way. Right. There's always an, a new hope. It's the, now we now we're entering the Kevin Sullivan era, are we not? That's maybe a little far away. <laughs> <laughs> the next cycle is 05, so he's an 09. Okay, so. yeah, yeah, all right. Well, thanks for keeping everybody grounded. We ran into a savvy, tough, well-organized team, you know, and we just, uh, I don't think we played a terrible game or anything. No. We, uh, we had two key moments, and we couldn't score. There you have it. Yeah, simple as that. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Uh, The the annoying bit about this soccer thing is that you have to score those goals, and if you don't, nothing matters. There was was kind of a lot. There's a lot of story to sort of unpack in this game, I thought. Um, Just got off the conference call with with Mikey Varis, a brief one. But, you know, he, he made the point that that early goal really did rattle them pretty good, which I think was evident on the telecast and it took, it took halftime and, you know, some changes for us to even start to create some danger again. Cause we were bright. I thought we were bright right off the bat. Looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and totally. Then, I don't really believe in, you know, like that thing that happens where people say like you concede a bad goal in the group state or something like that. And it's like, Oh, well at least we got it out of the way. Or like at least like that's a thing that now we have to respond to prepare us. Like it did feel a little bit like the ease with which we rolled through the first four games of this tournament. At least three of the four games maybe didn't set us up uh, mentally in the best place for going down in a knockout game like we did. Yeah, to go up against those ferocious midfielders and um, have so much less time on the ball and all that. Yep. Let's do the lineups. Uh, Gaga Slanina in goal, as he has been in every game of this uh, of this tournament. And we did the three at the back again: Justin Shea, Brandon Craig, and Josh Winder. Um, Michael Halliday got the nod over Jonathan Gomez, which I didn't really have a problem with at right wing back. And then uh, Obed Vargas got the nod over Daniel Edelman in midfield with next to McGlynn, and then Caleb Wiley at left wing back. And then Owen Wolf was kind of in that sort of weird midfield slash winger role. I don't really know what to call it, honestly. Um, and then Luna and Cal were the two, the two guys up front. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wolf is kind of like a right winger in possession, at least until we get into like the final third. And then defensively, he like pulls inside. He's all, he was often in the game, like the first press man, you know, like when they broke, when Uruguay would break out, they, he would have, he would be the one like running back, trying to slow things down. Yeah, like for, with the lineup, no complaints really. Of course, I'd like to see Paredes on the field, and I thought Danny Edelman had been very good for for us in the tournament. But 
I think the the lineup we fielded was completely reasonable. The one positional question mark, like you said, uh, like you mentioned, like and as it has been all tournament, was Wolf how he fits in. But in a game where we could reasonably expect to see lots of the ball going in, I didn't mind starting him on the wing and him pulling inside like he did, like he does. Right. Yeah. He didn't have a great game, but I, you know, as Varus said in the post game press conference, really nobody had a great game for us. Um, yeah. Uruguay came out like this. They had Randall Rodriguez in goal. He was excellent, both with his distribution and, you know, his, his goal coverage. He wasn't tested too much, but when he was tested, he made a nice save, I thought. Um, not as nice of a save as Rokas Puxtas made, but still <laughs> a, a nice save. Um, the back line was uh, Ponte, Bocelli, Gonzalez, and Maturo. And then um, Bocelli was, was everywhere, was involved in a lot of stuff. And then uh, Chagas, uh, Diaz, Sosa, and De Los Santos across a band of four, at least nominally. And then uh, Gonzalez and Anderson Duarte, Anderson Duarte, the striker up front. Yep. So the big story here um, is how shorthanded Uruguay is. They are playing down Luciano Rodriguez due to a red card, red card that he picked up versus Gambia. And that they all they were also missing Matias Abado and Anderson Ferreri due to injury. That's essentially their best starting forward line entering the tournament. Hmm. Um, they also have like a six foot four, six foot five striker in the real madrid academy that wasn't released for this tournament who has like a transfer market value in the millions of dollars um so going into this i was thinking not having watched all that much of them that maybe they weren't going to have that much ferocity in attack and that we would be able to um they you know like i think some even the fullbacks that they played in this game are like Uruguayan fans kind of consider them maybe like eventual fullbacks. Um, ended up not really playing out that way. Uh, Fabricio Diaz is played in midfield for the is, uh, started in. Uh, did he start in midfield for them? Yeah, uh, yeah started yeah, in midfield yeah. for them. Five. Yeah, he's a highly rated kid. Has rumors swirling about a serious Barcelona interest, and Alan Maturo, the left back, is getting pro minutes at centre-back at Genoa in Italy. They're in Serie B right now, but we know from our own team that um, getting centre-back minutes at any good level at, as an 18-year-old means you're a pretty serious prospect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, you said earlier some of the, some of the players, was it some of the wingers that Uruguay had in this game are eventual fullbacks? Yeah, I just I just went to like some see what I could find out about some of the names on like Uruguayan forums heading into the game, heading into the game. And what I found was like heading into the tournament, like players like uh, Chagas Diaz and De Los Santos were both kind of like, yeah, they start as wingers, but they weren't like. Seriously, they weren't like the players that they were expected. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Interesting, because De, De Los Santos was getting a lot of love from the commentator. I thought he was pretty, and he had some nice moments. I didn't think he was like that good, though. Yeah, he did, he did have the crucial, the crucial moment, of course. Um, all right, so we we come out. Let's go to the timeline. We come out, and we're immediately, you know, switching the ball wide with like big diagonals, and um, and get, having some success with this. Wiley plays a ball across that. Uh, 
it gets played misplayed by maybe it was Gonzalez, maybe it was Boselli. I can't remember for sure, but it sneaks through and Halliday uh, just doesn't quite get a foot to it. He had like you know a lot of the goal to shoot out if he just could stab his foot onto it. Couldn't quite get there. Um, probably didn't yeah. expect it to get through. Honestly, no, no definitely didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, basically as good of a start to the game as you could hope. Like we had six or seven players touch the ball, moving the ball side to side more or less uncontested through the levels, pretty speculative cross um, by Wiley. And the Uruguayan defender, I don't know, I guess it would have been Boselli's the first, um, def- would have been the first defender if the cross was coming in from the, our left-hand side. He just like completely whiffs on the clearance. And I mean, it certainly caught both of the, the, the Uruguayan left side of the defense off guard. And it seemed like Holiday was also maybe a, a bit late to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just inches away from maybe maybe a couple of feet away from what would have been the dream start to the game yeah as we've discussed we were looking i thought we looked really good for the about the first 15 minutes um and mcglynn was really sharp you know doing his thing uh we were finding luna between the lines finding people between the lines and uruguay did not look threatening at all i thought no, I, I was really happy with the opening to the game, like the first 10 minutes or so. Lots of progressive passing. It really looked like we came to play. Like it was going to be one of those days where, like have we've seen so far in the tournament, where we were just, we got into a comfortable spot with where with possession. Um, and uh, one of the new wrinkles in this game was it was a lot of that early success mostly came from that cross field ball from um, kind of like from fullback yeah. to fullback, sometimes center back. To, to full back up up on those wings. Um, but as is also usual for this team, things kind of got a little static when we hit the final third. Yeah, we've been talking about it the whole tournament, right? And uh, it sort of came home to roost in this game. Uh, but let's talk about a couple more nice things. We have a lovely sequence around the 11-minute mark. Shea hits a diagonal to Wiley, one of those, uh, one of those passes we were just talking about. And then it's kind of gets cycled back to McGlynn. He plays a through ball for Wiley. Um, and I guess this is an example of how things kind of fall apart in the final third because he just doesn't show quite enough refinement with it. Um, it gets tackled. Uh, the ball goes, goes out of bounds, or maybe it just went, I can't remember exactly. And then Cowell receives a pass right on the edge of the box, like moments later, turns, and he's, he's trying to have that hit of his, and he can't just can't get the ball out of his feet and he gets gets it tackled away from him right um i, th- I thought that this was a little disappointing from wiley um and just not in uh just another instance like we said of that of this team just not quite having the final third chops to convert possession and good places into chances wiley just doesn't take a good enough touch and probably also takes too long to release the ball once he does catch up to it uh the ball eventually, like you said, finds its way to Cowell, who I thought did really well to receive the ball. He kind of like yeah. let the ball run for a little longer than the Uruguayan defenders thought and then kind of like dipped a shoulder to beat the first Uruguayan and just took a little too long to pull the trigger on that like right-footed, mirrored Iron Robin curling yeah. strike that he likes so much and just has the ball taken off of him by Diaz, who did well to recover. I mean, these are fine little details, but I feel like Wiley he's got he almost has to take that first time that through ball and just cross it with his first touch you know or or find you know find the cutback with his first touch 
I don't know if he has to do that, but it seems like that's that would have worked better. I, I'm clocking around the 15 minute mark that we're losing a little bit of our hold on the game, um, finding it more difficult to possess into the final, even get it into the final third. What did you think, and why? Do you have any idea why? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it felt to me like Uruguay just kind of like after a couple of, you know, where they're 15 minutes into the game at this point, we've we've entered into a couple of duels with them. They just kind of like felt that they have the physical edge <laughs> in the game. Um, they, you know, just they had a couple of like long balls that they had success with, which was that like certainly not the case earlier in the tournament. Like even in the Ecuador game where Ecuador early was trying to... Um, play like a similar type of ball um maybe less refined than Uruguay ended up being but like those were almost entirely sniffed out by our defenders and it seemed felt like Uruguay was just like they ended up finding feet more often than yeah you wanted to I also think I mean I'm anybody who's listened to this podcast for any period of time knows I'm not like one to complain about the refs a lot I don't enjoy that but I did think that this ref had made some odd decisions. And one example was, do you remember when that ball, there was like a ball played in the air towards Cowell and he, he basically gets on the other side of the defender and just, just pins him with his back, you know, mm-hmm. like so that he's, so that the ball is bouncing, is going to bounce into space and Cowell's off to the races with it. And Cal gets called for a foul. Do you remember this yeah. play? I, was <laughs> I like, do remember what? that. Yeah. And it yeah. seemed like there were a few of those that went our way right around this point in the game. And I'm not saying that that decides the game. That's, that'd be silly talk. But it did seem like it affected our rhythm a little bit uh, right in this, like, around the 15-minute mark to the goal. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really clock it over the course of the game. But, I mean, it, if there were a game to get a referee like this in, it, it definitely Uruguay lucked out because um, I think, like, they had us for physicality like across the board Cowell's like one of the few examples of a guy who ordered yeah. clearly clocked as like oh this this is a serious adult human that right we can't push around but again for him to get a call like that go against him it's kind of deflating yeah i mean he they they were just a look like a lot of men especially yeah. across the back line and then deep in the midfield um Around the 17-minute mark, uh, Uruguay set piece draws a flick. You know, it's flicked from the edge of the box towards the goal, and and then Gaga comes out to punch it. It's not very convincing. He only punched. He doesn't. He isn't able to clear the box with the punch, and then he and Winder uh, collide on the play. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Winder was okay. Yeah, cute little uh, set piece by Uruguay, like. Um, in basically playing it to the first man, letting him pop it off, letting him pop it up off his own head, and like ask a question of uh, the goalie, like how he's he's gonna react to it. I enjoyed it, but yeah, like not not terribly convincing from Gaga, to, but he does get enough on his punch to clear the ball, and like you said, uh, Winder gets up pretty quickly. All in all, I think it could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. So the let's talk about the goal for um for uruguay it was uh we're gonna find people to blame of course but it's it was a nice goal um it was a a facundo gonzalez pass i believe just a well hit low driven left-footed pass to the feet so from the back line right into duarte's feet 
and Duarte just plays a quick outside outside of the boot one touch pass into the path of De Los, De Los Santos uh, streaming in from the left. De Los Santos beats Justin Shea to it. Justin Shea goes to ground, as you all know, and gets left behind. And then um, De Los Santos kind of picks up his head and cuts it back to Duarte, who had who had, had Brandon Craig on his back. But by the time he got into the box, he was at one point about five yards ahead of Craig. So um, obviously the overcommitment by Shea was a bit of panicky defending that wasn't that wasn't good. I think Brandon Craig, Brandon Craig's plotting attempt to get back was uh, was a little bit troubling. I think it was maybe equal parts lack of speed and maybe lack of awareness. And that was it. One zero. Uruguay, and it felt like it was going to be tough for us to come back. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, the play started with a beautiful line-breaking pass from Brendan Craig, but a couple of passes later, Luna misplaced a pass to an overlapping Obed Vargas, and um, that's that's a bad... It was a, basically the worst place in the games thus far that a pass could have been mis- misplaced because with Obed Vargas overlapping, Wolf already occupying his possession wing spot and McGlynn in a perpetual jog, we have we had no midfield. So Uruguay is able to play an uncontested ball right into their striker's feet and then Duarte, that striker being Duarte and then Duarte fools Shea with a one-size pass, one one with a first-time ball to his winger. Um, like you said, Che just completely fails to recover and Craig and Winder too, I thought, had a chance to mark Duarte out of the play and just didn't. So it ends up being a tap in. Yeah. He kind of scuffed it, didn't he? But he, but it was, the goal was very open. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that about Vargas overlapping, but that, that is interesting. It still was a really good pass. It was a Brandon Craig esque pass from, I believe it was Gonzalez into Duarte. It was, but it was like, it was through like 30 yards of open field right in the Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And we and we panicked. We weren't after that moment. We were not stringing passes together. Uh, we weren't really possessing into Uruguay's half at all. Yeah, yeah. It understandably felt a little like they got punched in the face. Everybody a little less calm with the ball, but more importantly, off ball started to give way more respect to Uruguay and stopped pressing as wildly. Also. We're in this period after like the 10 minutes after the goal, Luna touches the ball a couple times. And this is the thing with Luna, right? Where it's like you, for me, you, when you were talking about Diego Luna as like a professional soccer player, it's like the game, the context of the game almost matters so much where it's like in throughout the group stage and whatnot, uh, Diego Luna doing this like fun hero ball stuff is so pleasant, but it feels so much less good when he's just trying to to beat three people in midfield when you're down a goal and you aren't generating a final third entrance every minute. Right. Um, so th- yeah. there were a couple of times in here where Diego Luna just like loses the ball when, when we have like a three V four rush. And I'm like, ah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely happened. I, th- I feel like, yeah, Luna, we'll see what happens with Luna's career, of course. But um, I did feel like in this game, even as the game progressed, there was, he was the one who was most likely to receive the ball on the half turn and then just like, just press the issue a little bit, you know? And I know it's a fine line, you know, between being the guy who presses the issue and the guy who gives the ball away and 
and starts generating counterattacks. But um, I feel like there was still a little bit of, there was just this timidness from us when we did break a line. And then it would just be like, we'd like back pass our way back into the Uruguay press, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm just, just a, a sort of half-hearted defense of Diego Luna there, even though I really, I mean, he's probably my favorite player on this team. But I do oh, acknowledge, yeah. <laughs> acknowledge what you're saying. From yeah. a pure, from like a pure like fun to watch. Like I want to watch if I'm going to watch a soccer player. Diego Luna is absolutely my favorite player on this team as well. Good, good, good. We're in agreement. <laughs> uh, I thought Craig Craig was looking kind of battleshipy at moments in this game, and the, mm. the, the the bad recovery on the goal, and and then there was a time where he just you know, he just looked like an old man turning around and trying to chase some somebody uh, maybe yeah. this is why he's not playing that much in mls or not playing yeah, totally. at all yeah that's absolutely the thing with him um it's a lot more obvious into a team like uruguay who have legit athletes everywhere all over the fields um that we see the concerns that maybe philadelphia has with him it's a little unfair to say because he like I th- philadelphia has two of the better center backs in in mls mm-hmm. but yeah like I mean, ever since he was, you know, going back like four years, this is the problem with Brendan Craig, you know, that um, he's not the most athletic. He's, he's, he's not, doesn't have the same athletic profile as even our other center backs. Certainly not Che. I mean, even in this portion of the game, even Wiley has a moment where he just kind of gets a run past on the wing. Um, it leads to like a fairly good, opportunity for Uruguay to, to enter our final third um and this is where like if I, w- I was worried when the goal went in for all of the reasons that we talked about where it just felt like the goals for this team were always going to be a problem against good competition and us needing to get to and then through this period of the game where we just kind of got out uh athleted for the ball a couple places on the field it's like oh no this this is not trending in the direction I'd like it to. Yeah. Wiley's a good athlete, but I don't know if he's like a plus plus athlete, right? It's uh there's yeah, I, discussion just, of that in the Discord. Yeah, I'd describe him as a plus athlete. I think he's like the definition of that. Okay. Um thirty-six minute, I just clocked some good defending from Obed Vargas. He's like he had to like chase somebody down and and win a foul from them in the in our own box it's good to see somebody somebody winning a duel you know yeah this is it, the defending in the 35th minute we're yes, talking here. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah he does really well to recover this this the need for this defending comes from mcglynn needlessly pulling up for a shot from 30 yards um like he's and a couple other players in this team have been prone to do over the course of the tournament and the shot just doesn't beat the first man just like ricochets off of him right to his feet um so now we have like a rush going the other way and mcglynn is like dead on arrival in that race heading the other way but vargas does really well to get in front of it ends up being gonzalez their number 10 um gets on gets goal side of him and that lets him make the mistake eventually winning the foul to kill the play yeah hmm. clock does a good moment by him yeah well, and up until this point, we hadn't had a single shot on goal. Uh, but right before the half, we get a corner kick, and McGlynn plays it hard on the ground to Winder, and he he flicks it uh, and puts it on frame. Just, uh, I mean, if if the keeper had been a little 
uh, more unsighted, maybe that goes in, but keep her at a clean line of sight on it and just plucked it out of the air. Yeah, I, I, I'd expect keepers to, 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 to claim that in most situations. I'm not really much there, if we're being honest. It's just worth mentioning because, like you mentioned, it's the uh, essentially the only time in the first half we asked any question of the goalkeeper. At all. Yeah. 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 So the half comes. It's not looking great. Sub, we sub on Paredes for Wolf, and you know the crowds on Twitter went crazy. And uh, it did seem like a good decision. I thought Wolf was sluggish, but you could, like I said earlier, you could say that about just about anybody, probably. No, yeah, I completely agree um, that it's a good decision. I think even in hindsight, it's a it's a good decision, even though Paredes didn't have a great game. I think that the first half was clearly um, calling for like another, not only another like guy who was going to stretch the field, but also a guy who can maybe make a little bit more happen in the final third. And um, at least that's what happens theoretically when you trade out Wolf for Paredes. And, and Paredes did have some, you know, he did make some stuff happen here and there as the game went yep. on. Um, 47th minute, uh, Good counter press from Vargas and Luna. We win the ball. Luna plays plays Cal into a one v one with Boselli, and uh, Cal Cal tries to cut in him and just gets fouled as he cuts in. It was all this mm-hmm. borderline hospital ball from Luna, but um. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean this is what you know. Cal offers you right. He could just turn a ball that like that isn't a great ball in into his his feet by Luna, and like you know with a touch he makes you think about. You know, like dealing with his the potential of his burst of speed. Yeah, um, it makes you, I, it makes you makes your whole life flash before your eyes. Exactly. Yeah. Under, yeah. Right. Which means I think that this is like a really good play by Baselli, the Uruguayan right center back, realizes he's not staying with Cowell and just American football tackles him. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, like I think we could have used a lot more of that off ball situational awareness over the course of the game. Yeah. It was savvy. Because, you know, Cal, Cal cuts in, and it, who knows what can happen there if he, if he allows him to. Um, 48th minute, a set piece from Craig finds Cal, and he tries to flick it over the bar. It's a, it's, so Cal was the, essentially the first runner closest to Craig, and Craig kind of whips it in from the left side. It's a good, seemed like a good set piece to me. It just didn't quite come off. Yeah, it looked like a free kick routine, right? Like, it's, like, that came off the training ground. That was, yeah. like fairly unorthodox i don't remember seeing i can't recall seeing uh, too many set pieces like that but yeah this just like it just like illustrates how worth it it is to have brandon craig on free kicks like yeah. the the level of uh, accuracy he had here to put this ball like right on cowell's foot is pretty crazy to me even though it's like it's like slightly funny watching Diego Luna line up <laughs> with with the crowd on uh on these free kicks because he's so he was, small yeah he was marked by a guy in, on this free kick who was like six inches taller than him he was just like <laughs> there was no way he was getting around they could have it was like if it was like an Omaha drill they had would have had to have taken Diego Luna out on a stretcher yeah not not ideal yeah, and I mean, even as you know, as we were pumping crosses into the box late in the game, there was just like no chance. Even if, even if Luna wasn't even involved, just no chance we were gonna get to one of those crosses. That one of those center backs was just pounding it away. 
you know, around the 53 minute mark, I've uh, a good spell of play from us. We're just putting pressure on them. We we're 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 back to sort of looking good again in the game. Yeah, this stretch here was basically our best stretch of the game after the begin, very beginning and very end. Um, momentary threats through Cade Cowell and Luna, um, you know, as it was always going to be with this roster. Uh, and I, even though Cowell and Luna were able to connect, do some fun things, um, none of it was like particularly close to That's the true. goal front. <laughs> so I, I don't think Uruguay was all the felt all that worried about it. Um, but yeah, like just another thing where it's like, man, maybe it's around this time of the game where you start to think like, did Ricardo Pepe is Ricardo Pepe on the bed? Like maybe something, one more body yeah. out there. I mean, do you really think Ricardo Pepe would have made the difference for this team? I, I don't uh, like overall. I don't, I think like a, a legit right winger. Like if we had Gio Reyna on the right wing, I think now you're talking. Mm-hmm. That's like the that's like the real hole in this team. Yeah, and I guess Rain is just like a, a month too old, basically, right? I mean, he wouldn't yeah. be on the roster anyway. But um, yeah, he's a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure where in O2 Reyna was born, but I think it was like less November. than twelve months. Okay. Yeah. I know everybody thinks I hate Gio Reyna, but I basically know his birthday, so. <laughs> Okay, then we, we sub on uh, Rokas Puxtas and Danny Edelman for Halliday and Vargas, I guess. Pux, at first I was like, surely, uh, you know, we're, we're moving Shea to right back and going to back four. But no, <laughs> we're, moving, we're putting Puxtas at wing back. Yeah, yeah, Puxtas at wing, wing back indeed. And how did that go? Mm, and immediately didn't go super well because Uruguay scored coming down his side. He he went to ground right and and got rounded on our right side. He he basically just like he's onto the field. Ball comes at his side. He just like gets way too aggressive and tries to like he he runs. He makes like a ten yard darting run to his try to put like uh, a hand on his man, and he just gets turned and left in the dust. Yeah, and and that was only still only about five percent of the blame for the goal. Because it's uh, not all that threatening cross uh, right in front of the six goes to Winder. Winder swings and misses with his right foot as he goes to ground and his trail leg catches the ball, sends it at the goal, kind of dribbling at the goal. Gaga can't get more than a finger to it and it rolls agonizingly across the line. 2-0 Uruguay. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of unlucky moment that only happens because Uruguay took the initiative and put the ball into a dangerous place, which is something that we failed to do throughout this game. Um, not much to say pretty about the goal itself, pretty inexcusable from Winder, who just thought about it too much, maybe, and got yeah. his feet twisted. Um, so, you know, it just sucks. It happens. Um, yeah, dos a cero. Ugh. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I was, Winder was pretty broken up about it. You could tell on the broadcast, and it was good to see the boys, you know, consoling him. They were, they were right, up, right, right over to him, having his mm-hmm. back. So I like that. Sixty-third, um, and, and again, before you move on, like this is the type of thing that, like, it's just like part and parcel of having a kid who is like literally two years younger than everybody else on the field, you know, play. 
Like if there were anybody who the lights were going to be too bright for, it's going to be an O five playing in right. this tournament. I mean, you. I'm just curious what you think of Winder's long term potential now. I mean, he's so young. Yeah. Uh, is his is the like quickness stuff? Is that something that might change by the time he's 23? <clears throat> yeah, oh yes, I certainly. You know yeah. that stuff changes. He's a confusing player to me, though. Like, I don't, I've been like very cagey in like the scouting circles about what I think about Wander just because, like, eventually, in when you watch enough youth players, right? Like, everybody starts to get like archetypal where it's like, oh, they're doing this this way in this. So that means this. And the way that he's played so far in like USL and with like it's hard to map that to anything because yeah he does a lot he does a bunch of good things but he also does he also does the type of things where like it's like okay it's clear that like you're not going to get away with this level of like the level of athlete he is right now in mls or you know like it's even i think would be concerning for some teams and like he wouldn't be like the best player in next pro either i don't think uh yeah at center back. So it's like, just like a really hard thing because we don't, we don't get to see him competing against like the athletes that he gets, comes up against in USL. Like the big difference between the MLS pipeline, um, even like not, not even just MLS, but like the MLS pipeline, the next pro leagues, the high level Academy stuff and USL is just like, like the level of athlete is different. Like that's, that's the, it's not like the technical stuff. Um, you know, it's just like you don't there aren't there aren't like wingers in USL that can control a soccer ball and run a four five. Like that's the that's the big thing. And like yeah. for Wander, I think like that's the question that needs to be asked because we don't even we don't even get to see it for him at, at club level. And from what we've seen at youth national team level, I'm not not convinced that he's gonna be able to to deal with it. Also, I think the 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 closest like equivalent to him that we have, that we have had in terms of like um, center back coming out of USL does a lot of good things, but isn't perfect. Maybe has some athletic questions. Uh, Hayden Sargas, remember him back in the yeah. day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not on the best path, not maybe having the, the luck with DC United that I had hoped that he might have. So right. there are definitely question marks. I hope to move to Portugal goes through and goes well for him but but for me i don't he's not a he's not a kid that i'm like writing into any future future national national yeah yeah well the good thing is he's so young and hopefully um i mean he does he does have some there's something special about him there's like a there's like a flare you know the the back heel off the corner kick even though it wasn't there wasn't much there as you pointed out i mean like it's kind of cool to have a center back trying that kind of stuff. He tried like a scissor kick earlier in the tournament, made some intelligent plays uh, with the ball at his feet. But he's had, he has had quite a few mistakes too. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, 63 minute mark, we get a lovely ball. So the U.S. is still in it, still trying. Lovely ball from Brandon Craig diagonally to Cal. Just can't, he, he, he brings it down, but he just can't get anything across. I don't know if they're, was gonna it would have done any good if he had because there wasn't really anybody in the box um so he just ends up cycling it back to wiley and wiley pumps it over everybody for a throw in which is 
kind of like are are attacking third problems in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, again, like going back to the Brennan Craig diagonal cowl, like there there almost isn't an adjective strong enough to describe yeah. how good of pass it was. Like Craig's ability to just like put to pick out a teammate upfield almost feels superhuman to me. Um, yeah, and then Cowell chooses to wait for numbers a- a- after bringing the ball down, and um, that as it, as it was the case hold all to- all tournament, that was like a death knell of the offensive move because we're ju- we're just like hopeless against the set block. Yeah, once there were five shirts, five blue shirts in the box, it's like, well, we might as well just kick it out of bounds at this point, <laughs> right? Uh, it's it is crazy how good Craig is at passing the ball. Because, you know, I criticized him a little bit for the in the goal on Twitter and people were like, but his distribution is so good. Yeah, I mean, both things can be true, you know? Yeah. He can be in a, like a transcendent passer of the ball from center back position and still maybe not. Like, it would be, what a shame if he can't actually be a pro center back. Like, can he play the six? Or like, what's the... I don't know. How, how do we fit him on the field? Right. Yeah, I don't see it. He used to play fullback. That's like very obviously out of the picture <laughs> now um i don't think the six would work out like you're you're getting into like chris durkin plus territories i think mm-hmm. with him yeah as a as a six yeah i mean i just hope you just i think we just have to wait and see and hope that it works out um at center back i, th- I think i mean the, what your question was to see we could have to like, can he be a pro center back? He will absolutely be a pro center back in my opinion, but there's a long road from between pro center back and uh, playing regularly at like, even an MLS level and what we're going to need for the national team. Yeah. I, I, I didn't put that very well. All right. 64th, 64 minute Mark. We're starting to put some good pressure on. Uh, what did you see here? Yeah. So this is around this time. It's Cowell. Who's, who is uh, trying to make things happen. And it honestly felt to me like he's the only one who even remembered that the ball is supposed to go in the net when you're playing this sport. Only one with like his head up actually charging at the, at the opponent. Um, Yeah. This is again, again, one of those moments where like you really start to miss the fact that we don't have another one of him. And by that, I mean actual winger on the field who can make stuff happen. Yeah, a minute later, lovely from Luna and Edelman to get into the box. Luna's so they they just sort of tiki taka through a crowd of blue shirts. Luna's last touch is a little bit heavy, but it's but it, luckily Cal is right there and he runs onto it and fizzes a shot low at the near post. It's a good shot and draws a good save from Rodriguez. Yeah, good save indeed. Uh, this is one of those moments where Diego Luna really flashes that fun quick interplay that he's capable of and cowell hits it low and hard just like you'd want him to just unlucky it's like basically right at the planted foot of the goalie you know it's a good save though must be said it's like basically one of the only times in the game where i thought that the uruguayan defense really took the playoff um where like luna was maybe allowed to do a little bit more than he had done in the game because they just let him but um some ball watching but yeah uh, definitely like maybe the highlight of the second <laughs> of the second half for us well there's the there's the po- the pukstas block oh right 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 yeah um we get sullivan on for winder uh poor kid and then gomez comes on for wiley so quinn sullivan for winder 
we're at this point we really are removing a center back and uh and then Gomez on for Wiley at left back. It didn't really make that much difference. We were a good we're a good soccer team. I think that's clear, but we didn't just didn't have the cutting edge and um that became even clearer today. I mean, we we have talked about it all tournament, but it was uh it was driven home in full force today, I thought. Yeah, definitely agree. Got to give Uruguay a lot of credit. Um, the things that they excel, excelled at in this game, like the bite not giving us anything easy, the defensive organization, that's the stuff that really separates U20 soccer from the real thing. Um, and something that like we just looked increasingly um, up until the very end of the game, like unable to to work through. Um, this Uruguayan team, I thought, very reminiscent of the Ukrainian U20 team that won the U20 World Cup in 2019, mm. where they just like every player on the field, basically, where it's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's I don't know how good he's going to be, but that is a professional soccer player. Yeah. Just given everything, just given everything to keep the ball out of the net, basically. Um, 78th minute is when we get the the big chance for Cowell. It's off a set piece. It just kind of falls to him a, a couple yards wide of the of the penalty marker. He takes it down and just rips it. It's totally going in, but yeah. it hits Rokas Puxtis in the chest. He just can't get out of the way out of the way fast enough. And it, you know, I mean, it would have been two one with twenty minutes left to play, given we had eight minutes minutes of stoppage time. But alas, yeah. Yeah, pretty brutal for us <laughs> and for Cowell, who I thought really deserved one based on his performance over the 90. He just like was the danger man for us. And that, I don't know what the XGs ended up showing, but um, if if we got close to a goal, I think uh, it would have had to have been Cowell's uh, opportunities. Uh, Definitely. The Pukstas sub ended up having a lot of impact for all the wrong reasons um, with that the goal coming down his side right after he came on for Uruguay and then him essentially preventing a goal here by just some wrong place, wrong time. Um, He looked pretty, he looked pretty devastated about it. Like immediately went up to Cowell to apologize. Um, Yeah. So it felt like it wasn't our night before. And uh, it certainly didn't feel like it was our night after this. (laughs) Right. Right. We fell in the quarterfinals of the U20 world cup again. Um, Not much of note happened after that chance. I mean, there was a lot of us just whipping the ball into the box and them nodding it away. Yeah. Highly speculative crosses. Just didn't have the street smarts to deal with the the Uruguayans. You know, I mean, they just seemed like they were a little bit sharper, a little bit um, more locked into the, the nitty gritty details of winning. And um, we went out justifiably. So. Yep. It's sad because um, yeah, I think it's it's like one to twenty one the most talented team we've sent to this tournament, but there were flaws in the team that we knew going in that we just weren't ended up just they weren't hideable into a team as professional and savvy as Uruguay. Um, maybe Pepe and a true right winger and a couple other players in other places make the difference, but it's hard to make that excuse when Uruguay was out was missing like their four best attackers. So, so uh, this concludes our coverage of the U 20 world cup. 
I think. Um, uh, for patrons, I threw the audio of the Mikey Varas press conference up. That happened just before this, just before we, we recorded. Um, you know, consider joining our Patreon. It's, uh, it's two, five, or ten bucks a month, depending on sort of you know, what you can afford. And you get the money reviews, you get plenty of other patron-only episodes, and you get uh, access to the Discord server, the full Discord server which never sleeps. Matt, thanks again. Have a great week. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya.